0: I'm Lloyd Freeman, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer of Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney, and this is Dimensions of Diversity. As many US workers begin the slow return to the office, they will have to readjust to numerous aspects of in-office life, including how to best approach and have uncomfortable conversations, including those about race. These conversations are nothing new, but with the events of last summer still permeating everyday life, it's important for us to give everyone a little refresher on how to navigate those uncomfortable conversations in the office. I am joined today by Rachel Williams. She's the head of Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity at X, the Moonshot Factory, and she is going to help us talk about how we can navigate these uncomfortable conversations in the workplace. Rachel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Lloyd, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here.
0: Uh, because this is an important topic and I recently read an article, uh, which is kind of the jumping off um, uh, point for us to have our conversation. It was a a BuzzFeed article, and it talked about how people of color found peace, peace in the isolation of the pandemic, working from home, being in the comfort of your own home, being able to just kind of work by yourself for once. And it's allowed everyone to really be able to avoid the conversations, what's been the subject, uh, what's going to be the subject of our talk today, these conversations about racism. Um, And talking to, you know, your supervisors and your peers, uh, any of your colleagues in that corporate context about things like race. Um, From your personal vantage point, just as a person of color yourself or even in your um, uh, professional position, have you heard similar sentiments? What are your thoughts on this? Are are folks not wanting to go back into the office because of this?
1: Yes, this article is 100 percent true as a black woman myself. I felt that sense of peace and relief from microaggressions or comments or stares. Um, but I don't think that we can discount uh, folks' ability to microaggress you in this virtual environment. I have been microaggressed in an email. Uh, I remember counting in one day, folks saying some offhanded comments in, in this virtual world four times, four separate meetings. so. It can still happen. I think, you know, this is a call to action for our HR teams, our people operations teams to really examine and reimagine their cultures, you know, which is a hard pill to swallow. What this means is your culture wasn't great before.
0: Right. But what does that mean? So, so reexamining and reimagining uh, the workplace culture, what does that mean? Does that mean making it okay to talk about things like race in the workplace, normalizing that?
1: Well, one, I think there needs to be an acknowledgement. If a group or groups of people are relieved to not be in your building, in your culture, they'd rather be at home alone, then you need to take a real hard look at your pre COVID, pre quarantine. Culture, And you can do that by looking at your engagement survey data. Go all the way back, as far as back as you can. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Get permission to slice that data by demographic if you haven't been doing that already. To really figure out, is this something that your team has missed prior to COVID? My guess probably. You will see that different groups, different demographics ex- were experiencing your culture differently. If not, I would say that you probably need to re-examine the kind of questions you were asking because people probably weren't being honest.
0: Or if you were asking questions at all. But continue. Or if
1: you were asking questions at all. I know. I did assume that folks was even asking a the question. They may not have right. even been asking the questions. <laughs> so this is what I mean about really examining and that this is an opportunity for HR to examine and reimagine. Those are the two words I'm going to leave with them. Then I would say opportunity to conduct listening sessions right now. We've all read the articles. Some of us have decided to follow up internally and some have not. I would you know just say please follow up internally if you haven't played resource groups this is the time to tap into them to listen to what is the future of work for them what does it look like what do they want what's been happening and then commit to taking action on the data that you're gathering the quantitative and the qualitative data and that is going to require some transparency that is going to require you to put together a strategy based on the data like this is a whole new body of work, but it's an opportunity, I feel, for HR to rebrand. Because my opinion, HR and People Ops have been known to be operators of the company. Hmm. And not exactly for the humans or the people. And so this is an opportunity for them to rebrand and become truly the human resources department or the people operations department in which they're titled, they're not titled the company resources department. They're titled the human resources department. So be that. This is, this is a a great opportunity. If I'm going to silver line, this is a great opportunity.
0: Yeah. Well, you bring up a really good point, which are your people are your greatest asset. Uh, And a lot has happened to your, your people uh, since we've gone home. Uh, since we went into this virtual environment, right? And so there's been social injustices. There's been some civil mm-hmm. unrest. Uh, there's been violence against Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us have lost loved ones. Uh, we've encountered illnesses. We're working parents, working from home and being a parent, there's so much being compounded. And so what that means though, Rachel, is that same pandemic, but everyone in the workplace has experienced this pandemic in a different way. And so that may create a bit of a divide because we've got a different experience, right, that everyone has had and we've been away from each other for so long. And now we're going to kind of put (laughs) us all right back into the fishbowl. So I can imagine then that there's going to be some folks who are going to tiptoe around and some folks who are going to dive right on in. Mm -hmm. But I'm assuming then that we need to give folks some tips as to how we're going to be able to navigate these conversations. So let's start with what to avoid. What are some, some missteps uh, that can take place when when coworkers want to start asking about, "Hey, so what have you been up to over the past eighteen months?
1: Yeah, you know I don't know if there is, are any missteps and I'm just maybe I just want to reframe the question because okay. you brought up the fact that we have had a shared experience. And I want people to lean into the shared experience of it all it's created an opportunity for us to deepen our connectedness through this experience rather than our disconnect um it's certainly highlighted and illuminated and even escalated i would say our divisiveness um but given us an unprecedented collective opportunity to share and i want to say that i feel like our our empathy for one another has deepened That's what I believe. And so when your colleague asks you what you've been doing over the last 18 months, probably more like two years, let's be real, when we actually get back into an office, that you feel that shared connectedness and you're honest. It was rough. Homeschooling while trying to work, hot mess. I lost my mother. I couldn't do this. I felt that. And I always find that when you can be vulnerable, that opens up the other person and you'll start to hear. Because I don't think think there's any one person that has escaped this pandemic, not one. And I think we have another opportunity, I'll say it again, to deepen our connectedness through the sharing and truth-telling. Now, I guess the misstep would be to not ask, like, so let's pretend like that never happened. <laughs> or the second thing is to not be real and not keep it 100. I think those are probably the two biggest missteps. The, the, you're going to miss an opportunity to connect with your coworker, to really find out um, what's been keeping them going, um, what they're going to need in the future, how you all can support one another. And as a manager, what it is that you need to do to support your employee, to bring them best selves to work in this new hybrid workplace, because it's going to be a hybrid workplace.
0: Let's talk again uh, about kind of the actual conversation. And so I know that you just highlighted, you highlighted though, that there's power in the testimonial essentially. And so yeah. sharing, being, yeah. being real, talking about mm-hmm. your experience. Um, but how much is too much? When are we oversharing? When, when is the exhaustion setting in? Because everyone wants to be able to understand your experience. And we're letting everyone know that, of course, we want to empower you to be able to talk about what you've experienced over these last 18 months, two years. Um, but at some point, do you want to have that same conversation over and over and over again? So does it have to be a you know methodical or, or, or planned in some kind of way um, so that we don't burn out our employees or can we continue to have these organic conversations because just having the conversation in and of itself makes the workplace better? What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think organic is probably the, the best way. The We had orchestrated conversations, especially after George Floyd. Many companies orchestrated listening sessions. And while powerful, they were re-traumatizing. So if we've learned nothing, I think we should lean into... Um, meeting people where they are and being open to that, not forcing folks to share when they don't want to share, uh, to be tender when you do notice that someone is not willing to share. So so I think it does have to be some, there's some organic uh, component to it. There may be, you know, what we can't orchestrate is a training I, and I hate to use that word, but I will use it. Right, I uh,
0: call it education because I'm It, it okay. Sounds like one. Nine. A, it, Let's educate
1: folks. Yes, I always imagine to uh, Cesar, the dog trainer, too, and I'm all like, you know, like <laughs> you know, because he gets them together in one episode. They're like sit down, and then they're like, <laughs> stay like sit down. Um, that is that is not what I'm talking about. You're right, education to our managers and to our leaders who I know these folks will be looking to for direction, vision, guidance on how to be, on how to move forward. Um, those are probably the people that need to do some deep work on how to handle and hold space, on how to navigate and lead people through reentry in this new hybrid workforce. So I would say if, if, if anything's gonna be orchestrated, those l and teams, that are part of the HR teams, need to probably be planning a six month intensive education for leaders on how to hold, how to be vulnerable, how to hold vulnerability, how to have these kinds of conversations, how to facilitate, how to listen. There's level one, level two, and level three listening. So not just listening to words, looking at people's body language. So I think there's some opportunity for that, but I wouldn't want someone to come back, an employee to come back into a space and be like, <laughs> we're going to have 300, 500 people on a call and we're all going to share about our terrible, like, I, that's probably not the thing to do. Or no. to even on the, uh, on the other side, to lean into toxic positivity. Everything was great the last 24 months. No, it was not. It was not. So maybe lean, lean out of that, doing that. But give give your managers and your leaders the tools that they're going to need in order to lead people this way.
0: And that's a powerful tool because one of the things that we often leave out uh, in in the workplace when we're when we're educating uh, that level of middle management, especially that you highlighted, uh, is emotional intelligence. How to tap into and and, and deploy yeah. that emotional intelligence, and we are going to need that. We already need it, but when this whatever workplace that it comes to be in the next, you know, six months or so when we're kind of finding out our new normal here.
1: Yeah. We're going to need that
0: more than ever. Yes. We're going to need that more than ever. Uh, but I do want to amplify one thing that you were, uh, were, were talking about there kind of as we get ready uh, to come back and, and to have these conversations, which is you need to do your homework. We can't <laughs> think that we're going to be able to have these conversations with our colleagues and that we're gonna sit down and I'm gonna talk to Rachel and I'm gonna say, hey, can you educate me on that whole Black Lives Matter thing?
1: yeah. You know, um, I know many of us, many people of color, feel as though the excitement to learn has waned quite a bit in the last few months after George Floyd. Um, I would ask, my overrepresented colleagues to commit to your learning journey about folks who are different than you, not from asking your colleagues directly. There's so many opportunities. There's podcasts (laughs) like this one, right? (laughs) There's documentaries. You can even read a book, turn a page. There's Audible if you're lazy and need to multitask. I mean, you know, so many different ways to learn. Enroll in a course, so many free courses online now, which is, again, silver lining this, uh, this pandemic and being at home. Take, take a course. Take an African-American studies course. Take an Asian-American studies course online. I'm sure your company would pay for that. Just so you can get some historical context for how we all got to this moment today. So then you can start to navigate a little, a little differently. What's also helped me, even, was taking the Harvard Implicit Bias Test. Have you ever taken that?
0: Oh, yes, I have.
1: And there's so many of them, right? There's like 50 yes. of them. And I, you know, I took I, uh, I majored in psychology at Cal. And um, so I'm a nerd for all those kinds of tests and things and <laughs> social. Um, it was quite eye-opening for me where some of my own biases lie. So I would say if you have the time, you should probably take one of those tests or two or three or four uh, just so for some self-discovery. Um, we all have biases. No shame in that. I think the shame is not knowing where your biases lie so that you can actually commit to mitigating them. Eradicating, virtually impossible. So let me re- oh. relieve you from that. But mitigating is absolutely possible.
0: It is. And what's also possible is that we are going to be able to navigate uh, this new normal, uh, this new workspace. Uh, It can happen, uh, but it is going to take us doing some homework. Uh, It is going to take us all submitting ourselves to to education and learning more. Uh, And it's also going to take a great deal of emotional intelligence because we don't yet know uh, what is going to be around that corner or what's going to be the experiences of our colleagues. Uh, but what I can tell you for sure is that uh, it's going to be everyone's job to get this done. Uh, we talked about middle management. Uh, we already know that senior management is articulated. Uh, you know, This is the ethos of the organization and these are the core values. We've got folks in your role, we've got folks in my role uh, who are helping to facilitate that. But this is really everyone's responsibility Uh, And you're right. We're not going to be able to eradicate even these uncomfortable conversations. uh, But hopefully with uh, some of the tips that you've given us today, we can help folks to navigate and get a bit more comfortable with having these uncomfortable conversations. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. I do appreciate your time.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Lloyd.